You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative, and here to talk with me about the assembled Avengers is John Mills. Mm. Indeed, rejoice for your time of enlightenment has arrived in my big circle donut ship. Hello. (laughs) Ooh, donut ships. That does sound good, doesn't it? It would. I mean, I think that actually uh, Thanos' minions would have a lot more success if they went around and the ships were actually just giant donuts. And they're like, look, man, giant donuts for all who live the purge. Or or what if they at least, you know, turned half the population into donuts you know that would be a really that's david lynch's infinity war really (laughs) (laughs) well uh we're excited to be here we have obviously reached infinity war and goodness we are coming towards the end of phase three which is just exciting as all get out and so before we get to the show Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you're following us uh, here on any podcatcher or anything, thanks for subscribing. Uh, if you're catching us for the first time, uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on like an Apple podcast or Spotify, please do give us a star rating review. We really appreciate that and helps the show continue to grow. More people find it. That would be great. Uh, you can also find us on all the social media platforms for the most part. Uh, the big ones here that you'll want to check out, we've got Twitter at The 602 Club, and we're on Instagram at The 602 Club TFM. So great places to catch up with us. Uh, really enjoy interacting with listeners there. Uh, you can find us on Facebook with the entire network at facebook.com slash trekfm. There's a listeners-only discussion group you can join. People from all over the world discuss all of the different shows in the network. And, of course, you can find us online at trek.fm with all of the shows that we're doing. And there's even a contact section you can go if you would like to send us an email. Even though, you know, I, I John, I don't know about you, but I feel like the only email that I really use is at work these days. Otherwise, like email just like nobody emails anymore, really. Um, Maybe people will start the trend again. I would love to see some emails. I enjoy emails a great deal. Uh, occasionally we get emails, but um, yeah, they're all at work, aren't they? So Yeah. yeah. I wish people would stop anyway. sending emails at work, honestly. <laughs> at work, yes. Fewer emails yes. would be For great. podcasts, keep sending them in. <laughs> yeah. oy, oy, oy. Well, I, I wanted to ask you because... You know, the last time we had an official Avengers movie was Age of Ultron. And I think in many ways most people considered Civil War as kind of being Avengers 2.5. Yes. Um, And so I I wondered, like, as you were coming into Infinity War, and especially since we we knew that they were doing – a two-parter basically. They were doing the setup and then they were doing the second one to kind of bring – almost everything really to a close. Um, I wanted to ask you just how were you feeling kind of coming into Infinity War? Were you excited? Were you ready for this? Were you looking forward to this film? Mm. Or had you 
possibly, you know, gotten to the point that you were, I, I, I mean, were you ready for this to end? I mean, I, I was, no, I, I mean, I wasn't thinking in terms of endings or anything like that. Um, I, it's hard to remember, but I'm pretty sure at the time I was skeptical. I was like, yeah, end, haha, quote unquote. There's no way they're going to stop the money train. That's just the thing, right? Why would they, why would they stop doing things that, that make the money? But yeah, I was, I was, I was excited as everybody else going into Infinity War. Was there, a, was there anybody in anybody's circle who listens to podcasts about nerd stuff <laughs> who, who wasn't talking about Infinity War? Everybody was on, on board by this point. Everybody couldn't wait for Infinity War to come out. And, you know, it, it was just like, okay, here it comes. And I know I was excited for Infinity War simply because I remember the Infinity Gauntlet saga from uh from from mm-hmm. you know the comics and that is one of the most amazingly badass arcs in comic book history and Thanos was amazing because he was literally courting the personification of death he was a he was a nihilist but it was portrayed as he was literally in love with a figure that caused it was death like the hooded scythe carrying death was a lady lady death and thanos was literally in love with her and wanted to kill everybody to win her heart that was what he wanted and um so sort of the the like oh we'll we'll get to the reactions or whatever but it definitely took a bit of a, a different turn, mm-hmm. I guess, to make Thanos more understandable and not have to cross the realm of having, you know, showing him have, a love affair with death. Yeah. That one's a little tough to sell. That's easier in comic <laughs> book form. You know, this is, this is the interesting thing is obviously for me, most people that have listened to the 602 club know that I have never been as big a fan of the Marvel uh, comics as I was with DC in, in the sense I really hadn't read a lot of uh, Marvel comics and the movies kind of got me into, you know, I read a bunch of the Ed Brubaker Captain America runs, which were fantastic, I thought. And but I hadn't read the Infinity Gauntlet saga the gauntlet um and of course then there, i think there's a infinity saga too there's like two different infinity for me it begins that, and ends with yeah. the infinity gauntlet so um i didn't really know about it and so i i didn't have a lot of expectations coming in or thoughts of like what would happen i just knew you know from at this point like you said we're all in the thick of it when it comes to marvel and kind of knowing their plans that they're going to do infinity war part one and two of course, two becomes what we know as Endgame because they they decide instead of you know doing the numbered thing, they're going to give each one its own name. And so, yeah, I mean, I was definitely excited though, um, you know, and and I thought how interesting it'll be just to kind of bring all of this together, right? We're we're finally going to bring everything together, and so I wanted to. To get to this, because I think this is obviously really interesting, because we talked about when we talked about um, the the films leading up to this, how we thought that the order should be different and yeah. that Ragnarok should lead right into this. And I think, especially rewatching this, you are absolutely correct, because this literally picks up from the stinger 
and we flow right into Infinity War. And I think those two things go together, and it's actually a thread which I wouldn't say necessarily makes Ragnarok better, but at least we give what I was looking for Thor-wise in that film, we do it here. And I, the the again, the flow for that is great. Like, I think it's really good. Um, and so uh, how did you feel about them kind of starting with that moment and kind of really putting us on the playing field of like, oh, everybody's game here. Like, everybody can die. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of killing people uh, in movies. Hold on. Please, nobody isolate that pause or anything. Okay. <laughs> um, for the main reason that it heightens the danger for all of the characters. Mm -hmm. Once you off in a character, you're like, oh, okay, okay. They are willing to go all the way with this. It's an important psychological uh, thing to have happen so that you can believe in, uh, you know, that the fragility of the main characters, Han being frozen in carbonite is sort mm -hmm. of death. And that's why Luke's danger at the end is so much more pronounced. Vader is, is not going to stop. He's going all tilt. And similar sort of thing here. Killing Loki was interesting because I knew they were, you know, why they were doing that was for that reason. But what was strange was I was highly skeptical that he would stay dead. I was like, mm -hmm. like I was immediately skeptical. I was like, oh, I'll bring him back. So it didn't really have any punch for me. Rewatching it this time, what strikes me as odd is that I'm going to throw the, I'm going to be controversial immediately. Immediately coming out of the gate controversial, I want to put a controversial question. Given that you've now watched all of Infinity War and you know where it's going to go in Endgame because you've already seen that, would it have been, been better instead to have killed Hulk here as a demonstration of Thanos' might? Oh, absolutely. I mean, especially with how they treat the character of Hulk in this film in the first well, place. Especially I, it's, how it's, they treat Hulk in Endgame. But, you know. W w yes, but here, I mean, it, it's a travesty how dumb this character's arc is. And, um, and I know people will probably try and defend it, and people have to me, but the problem with the arc that you give Hulk in this movie is that by this point, Hulk has just become the butt of all the jokes. So trying to get me to care about any kind of character development is out the window because we've destroyed that basically after The Incredible Hulk. This guy hasn't really had much character development, and especially with where we left Thor Ragnarok, we've de again, we've destroyed all character development really for this character. He's just a joke machine. Um, we just use him as the big green butt of the joke and, and a big green butt it is. <laughs> um, and so I absolutely agree with you that if you do that, you put a stamp on this movie and you really do say, yeah, we could kill everybody and we might not bring them back. Right. That that's a really strong statement, I think. More so than Loki, who's the king or the the god of mischief, who has f been dead or or feels like he's been resurrected twice already. Right. And so, yeah, absolutely. Uh cool. I'm glad we agree on that. 
because I do think it winds up making it more interesting. Uh, and you can put anybody in the Hulkbuster armor uh, that shows up at the end. It doesn't need yep, to be Banner. Exactly. And um, yeah. if I recall correctly, wasn't there... Didn't Hulk show up in this at some point? Like, originally? Didn't they script it that way originally? I'm having trouble remembering. But I remember hearing somewhere along the way that the decision to do what they did with Hulk was in a later draft. Like, it, it, it didn't yeah. start that way. I honestly don't know. Um, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Again, it's mainly because they feel like they don't know what to do with this character anymore. Well, and so they... they, they I, look. Yeah. I don't want people to get all over me, right? So look, I understand that they are trying to say that all of the things that Banner's been through have finally caught up with him, right? And they've caught up with his alter ego, the Hulk. And that, of course, you know, it's the the thing the thing is is that we haven't really taken this character very seriously since I would say probably really the event, the original Avengers movie where we are still kind of like treating him as like a character who's dealing with stuff, right? Like I think Joss Whedon does a pretty decent job of uh, of that in the film and treating him like a real threat, right? Like that he's, you know, he's not just, he's the character here that could wipe out all the Avengers if he wanted, you know, if he was in the right mood. That's, you get that feeling, but like since then he's just kind of become a, yeah, you know, and so I, I, if we had kept that type of work with him as a character, if we continued to build into the character like that, I think this would have made much more sense and felt much more like a, a real psychological study of the character. Other than, I mean, because even in the way we play it in the movie is more for the laugh than it is for anything else. Yeah, uh, it, it it is like I get why they did it. Like s structurally, they didn't want to kill Hulk, and you have to find a way to neutralize him. Otherwise, the whole audience is going to sit there. Why isn't Hulk just wailing on people? Because we've already shown that he has the full capacity to do so and win. And uh, carrying that forward, though. Um, I just I, I think that what is frustrating about the Hulk's arc is the same thing that's frustrating about how long this movie takes to spin up and decide where it wants to go. It really struck me this time watching it in how the opening I'm in favor of a movie taking its time. I really and truly am. I love it when movies take time. Some of my favorite movies of all time are longer than three hours. And I'm all on board with it. But there were things here where it was, you know, setting aside the whole Hulk thing, there were shorter distances to go to get to certain points. But at the same time, even though it doesn't translate anymore necessarily i remember being in the theater and the first time cap steps out of the shadows the theater giving a little cheer like, oh yeah, yeah okay yep. the good guy is here sort of thing which is cool it was really neat um but 
even getting to that point just took a while. And it's like, mm-hmm. it could have been, yep. it could have been faster. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about this movie is that it still does have some moments like that. You know, I think that cap moment is still great, you know, because it's so Captain America to just show up when he's needed. Right. And, you know, um, I, I think that's really good. Um, you know, I think there's a couple of other moments, you know, when you, you, you see friends reunited, like when he's reunited with Bucky, um, you know, those kind of things were great. Um, I, I think there's some other great character moments. I, I honestly think that Thor is actually the standout of this film. Chris Hemsworth, I think, gives his best performance as, as Thor in this movie with his trying to overcome the loss of his people. Um, and he can't get himself to that that jokey place anymore. Like he's trying and yet he's crushed inside, you know, mm-hmm. like he's and it, he he then uses that fuel and that motivation to do what needs to be done to create, you know, himself a new hammer. And then you have, I think, uh, the the use of Rocket with that relationship, the same way we saw his relationship with Yondu and it, it they utilize that character really well. Um I think most of the Guardian stuff is some of the best in the movie for the most part. Um, there, there's no doubt about that. There's no doubt. And, yeah. and, and if I recall correctly, Gunn helped write the the dialogue for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a yeah. it, very smart move if they did because the Guardians feel right too many times in crossover movies like this. It's like, um, okay, they're just saying the line that needs to be said. But like what's interesting, what what I have to give the movie a lot of credit for for instance, is when we meet when when the Guardians meet Thor, and mm-hmm. Star Lord, you know, starts to. Well, why are you dropping your voice? Hey, yeah. you know, yeah. Quill, what are you doing? He's like, I'm not dropping my voice. It's all like that's a very Guardians type of thing. That's like a thing I would expect from a Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy movie. But it yep. seems at the same time more serious than. Oh yeah, yeah. Like no, that, that's what's so weird is there. There's such this and. I think what a lot of that has to do with is they really subdue the lighting for, um, yeah, for they, they subdue the lighting since this is a, not a visual medium, uh, Matt just imitated Drax eating his popcorn very slowly. You, yeah. Well, I mean, and they couldn't see me because I've mastered the art of becoming invisible. Yeah. So, right. And that stuff is, <laughs> is funny. Um, well, and that's like, you know, when we're talking about like Drax in, in volume two and like feeling off, it's like here he felt right, mm-hmm. you know, because it was just funny enough. But I think you're absolutely right in the sense that, you know, you have that really serious moment with that starts off, you know, with Star-Lord talking about, you know, which, you know, bombs he wants to hang off his belt, you know, mm-hmm. like cool balls, basically. And it turns into this moment where, you know, Gamora is telling him, you must kill me if I ask you to, because the entire fate of the galaxy could rest on that, mm-hmm. you know? And then of course the moment where he pulls the trigger thinking he's going to kill her. And of course, you know, it turns into bubbles. So, you know, I, I think absolutely this, this movie for a, a lot of it finds a way to, especially as we move into that second half do what the Russo brothers and their writing partners do the best, which is 
they're able to have some of that Marvel humor, but they're also able to insert it better into these really serious situations. And for the most part, for the most part, it feels like it fits better. Let me throw a question out there because you mentioned the, you know, that he pulls the trigger and it's bubbles thing. Um, am I the only person in the world that asked, well, wait a minute, if he can do all of that stuff with the reality stone, what does he need the other stones for? I remember in the first viewing when he, he you know, he, mm-hmm. he's able to change those things. My thought was, well, you, what, why, why do you need the other ones then? Like, like, well, yeah, literally, I mean, couldn't he get the rest of them more easily just by using the reality stone no, to th- make the Avengers think that everything's going well? But you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't even have to have a huge battle. But I mean, he just all he needs to do is if he can control reality at that level, can't like, I know it's a comic book movie, blah, 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 blah. But it's like it, it's one of those things where it's like, you're right. Yeah, it immediately immediately jumped out at me and another thing Mm -hmm. a big problem i have and i actually wrote a blog about this many years ago when i blogged um that basically posits and i'm glad we're here finally talking about this that thanos was an idiot stupid in fact uh and the reason why is think about this he's on the quest for these stones and he's going to quote unquote keep everything in balance by wiping out half of all life in the known universe, right? All well and good, except population does not grow uh, on a logarithmic scale. It grows on an exponential scale. Wiping out half the population of Earth doesn't buy you, you know, uh, a millennia while it replaces itself. No, like population replaces at a greater rate than that. And... um that's why the concern about resources exists in the first place. And on top of that, if he can control everything, then with his snap, he could have instead created a reality where resources were no longer an issue instead of killing everyone. And I know he's the mad Titan, yeah. all of that yeah. type of stuff. But people have come to revere the character as if he were Khan Noonien Singh from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's not vastly superior intellect. And I'm like, no, he's actually kind of a dummy. He's an insane dummy, mm-hmm. which yep. makes him dangerous, but he's a dummy because he can't see yep. that these stones would give him the power for great good instead of great evil. Yeah. And it's yep. just it's so and that's that's the thing. That's sort of like one of the things that I complained about uh at first, because the director's cut is better, but in the in the theatrical cut of uh Zack Snyder's Watchmen was when they change the motivation to this sort of like green energy sort of thing it doesn't work as well and so while i think audiences can't relate to thanos courting the female personification of death itself i do think that the motivation here while it makes it more topical also makes it more I don't know. I, I think that there's there's a way they could have written around that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, uh, you just get these movies like this and like Quantum of Solace and there are others where the worst people on the planet are eco-terrorists. That's right. basically what he is. He's a galactic eco-terrorist. And yeah, you're absolutely right. He's an idiot. 
Because, yeah, these stones give him the power to rewrite reality. Just create a reality that has infinite resources. Why right. why, why would you need to destroy half the population? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, in fact, if you can control time, too, you could turn time backwards if you want and bring Titan back. You know, like, there's... There's so much about this movie, I think, that is – the biggest problem problems I have with this movie are the leaps in logic that it makes that it doesn't try to cover up. Um, and I think one of the biggest I also have with Thanos is that he doesn't love Gamora. No. That's not no, no. love. No, he doesn't. And so the fact that his sacrifice of Gamora gets him the stone – angers me every time i watch the movie because that's in no universe is that known as love yeah i mean i suppose you could say it's a type of love it's not a healthy love but true love would sacrifice oneself for somebody else mm-hmm. not sacrifice exactly. them for you that's Which where that's where i agree with of you. what happens in you know uh end game right i mean that yeah. that's that's what but 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 I mean you're right in that sense that that true love means you would die for the other person, not that you mm-hmm. would ask right. them to die for you. You know, like right. it, well, it, well even not if you just go that back you to would ask them to die for you, he willingly kills her. No, no. He throws her off. Oh, I know that's not love. I know, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. And it's like, yeah. And the thing is, it's even more pronounced because Gamora, she is asking Peter to help her sacrifice herself for the good of everyone. Like there's, and it's, I would have preferred more digging into that. And I would have, honestly, I would have preferred more of a traditional. I know you're trying to make it topical. I know you're trying to make it interesting and it is interesting, but I really would have preferred. And I, there's going to become a groan from the audience. People are most likely going to want to burn my house down. Some people who are listening to this, but I would have preferred Thanos to be more like dark side. In the sense that oh, it's yes. like, I just want to rule everything in every reality mm-hmm. and uh, right. screw everyone, and I don't care whether you live or die. I just want power. Well, and that's, yeah, that's what makes him so interesting as a character in the end is that he's looking for the anti-life equation, which will allow him to control the entire universe, right? Like, so if that was what Thanos was after, it would make much more sense than this quasi i really care about the universe i'm just so misunderstood nobody has the strength to do what i'm doing bs it's just it's it's the type of stuff that you try to do with villains to make them more relatable when this isn't relatable at all let me it's just stupid let me ask this though do you think it's possible that the russo brothers themselves are making some sort of subtle commentary in some way not not political but philosophical commentary about how if you get too obsessed with one particular end goal, you lose sight of the second order effects. Like if your goal is to sure. yeah. uh, protect everyone at any cost, what does any cost mean? Mm-hmm. What, yeah, I mean, or, that's a good point. You know, that, that sort of thing. So I sp- there is some meat on that bone here, but I think that the meat gets um, a little overcooked. Because I love torturing mm-hmm. metaphors. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. I, I mean, it absolutely could be something like that. And, and I think that in the end, 
you know, this movie is trying to do a lot of heavy lifting, even with its runtime, especially since we're having to try to set up who Thanos is, because, and this is a Marvel problem, um, which is that we want to keep the reveal under wraps for so long and we don't want to ruin it that this is feels like a story that, at least with the Gamora side, where we should have seen her history before this. So that coming into this movie, you didn't have to do this lifting here. And it would have felt, I think, even more substantial because we've talked about this. Thanos has been sitting on the sidelines for like 12 years. Mm -hmm. And it's just, I, I almost feel like sometimes this movie kind of felt like a little bit too little a little bit too late in the sense of what they were trying to do with the character because this whole movie has to try and be about well setting him up and him and everything and it just it doesn't work well, as well as if we had maybe spent more time throughout the saga doing that in the first well, place. I, I mean first thing you, you know that one of the rules i have for successful sequels you should be able to jump into it and understand everything that's going and so yes you can say you know the gamora thing is a failing but I don't know how you get around that because you got to treat this as if somebody skipped Black Panther and Thor Ragnarok and you got to bring them a little bit up to speed. Fine. But um, I think that what you and I uh, discussed previously in this series is that what we came to realize is that in phase three, they don't hardly build to this at all. So like there's this, there's this realization moment going through this rewatch where it's like they, they talk about the Infinity Stone in like Avengers Age of Ultron and then essentially drop the topic in the larger parts of the movies until this movie. And it's like, well... Where they have to tell you what they all but are. But imagine this. To remind you. Imagine, yeah. <laughs> imagine tying things together this way that Thor Ragnarok is actually the moment where Thanos, you mentioned he's sitting off on the sidelines. Have Thanos show up and win in Thor Ragnarok, stealing the Tesseract. He knows it's there. He knows the Asgardians have it. So, have that be the plot of Thor Ragnarok. He shows up at Asgard to take the, and they, they you know, whatever. The, oh, hey, we have a Pyrrhic victory or whatever like that. But then you find out, and you know, at the end, Thanos is like, no, I got what I wanted. Cool. Peace. And that. It, that resets everything so it's like mm -hmm. maybe the the asgardians get wiped out because they they're like we gotta risk everything to try to stop him from you know whatever etc cetera, etc cetera. i'm not trying to rewrite sure. everything yeah. but yeah. i think that at least would have been some really interesting connective tissue to bring thor ragnarok forward and have it be like an overture to this movie instead of its own sort of like silly standalone thing. yeah i mean i think that's uh that's a smart move in many ways. Um, you know, I, I do I really just feel like, you know, again, the, this this movie has a lot to do. And part of that, like you said, is is kind of one at the beginning of the movie. We've got to have, you know, Tony and uh, Doctor Strange and Banner remind us what uh, these stones are with the help of Wong you know, to tell us the story about how they were created in the first place, you know, when it's like, man, I really, this would have been helpful like five, six movies ago mm -hmm. um, to, to really have been building this even more. Um, and I, I think, you know, there's, there's, 
there's one other big super leap of logic in this movie that I just can't stand. Um, and that's when they're on Titan. Mm-hmm. And when they're putting, when they've put him to sleep, mm-hmm. why are you trying to pull the gauntlet off of his hand? Why don't you just cut off of his hand? There's no reason not to just chop his hand off. Why are you making this so hard that you have to pull his gauntlet off when when we got nanotech Iron Man who can just create whatever he wants, he could slice his arm right off and and this wouldn't have been a problem. Like I get so mad that whole time is like this whole thing is so stupid because you know you, then you get to the point where of course Peter Quill steps in and he's being an idiot. Which I get, you know, he's no, he's being Peter Quill and he's frustrated at Gamora's death, whatever. But still, if you had just cut his hand off, none of that would have happened. I agree. And the Peter Quill thing is is a forced moment. I think that uh, Chris Pratt does a great job playing it. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, yeah. Human beings are very apt to losing control emotionally. But if anything, that would have given Peter, I think, even more reason to help cut off the arm and then beat Thanos to death with it. You know, like that, that, that's oh, let's cut off his arm. Let's do a Grendel thing here. Let's cut off the monster's arm and then beat him to death with it. Mm -hmm. And there we go. We have our and then Thor could be there and he could be like, oh, this is like my bedtime story that I grew up with. The end. There you go. But yeah. then there's not a part two. Exactly. Well, and I think that's kind of the thing that's so, I would say, frustrating about this movie is that in many ways it's perfunctory in the sense that this is a movie that's about to be undone, right? Like the the whole next movie is about just now, undoing what you've already that, done. And I know we've had this conversation before oh, and, we'll and it doesn't bother you it. as much as it bothers me. No, but no, no. I I think it doesn't. The my point is is that it doesn't it doesn't do it well enough. There's so many plot holes in this movie of places where they could have done something just slightly different, and everything would have not even led to a second movie. Instead of so, I'm left thinking about all of those things, and then the you know the next movie comes in and just rewrites this thing by you know, pushing the big red easy button. Now, um, now hang, hang easy, on a minute but here. You know what I mean? One of the things I like about Infinity War is the fact that he wins in the end because I think that's a bold choice. And if I were to make the decision to say I'm, you know, John Q moviegoer and I go and I go off and I go on a, a hike the Appalachian Trail I get kidnapped by primitive bears that are related to Sasquatch. They take me in. I become part of the tribe, and I go out and I lead a successful life living off of the land and restoring uh, the good name of the Sasquatch as I travel across the country doing good deeds and saving lives. I still could say, oh, yeah, Infinity War was the last movie, and that's how it ended, and it was a bummer. I think it, it does resolve itself well, but... Where I will give you credit is while we're sitting here talking about it, okay, he shows up to Earth 
to uh, you know to come get vision and tear that that stone out and all of that type of stuff. Was Thanos capable of walking into a star, like an actual star, like the sun? I don't think so. I think even that was a limit for him. Vision could have flown to the center of the sun and then rematerialized and just had the Infinity Stone trapped in the sun for billions of years. It might not have been satisfying because Vision was still dead. But Thanos wouldn't have been able to get the stone. So, like, it's this... And the thing, the thing is, the thing is, before anybody thinks that I'm going to be giving this movie a bad rating, I'm not. I do think that a lot of the spectacle works. I think that a lot of the emotional beats work so long as you're tuned into it. I think the problem here for me and the reason I'm pointing out some more of these things that sort of I'm like, ah, well, you know this, you know that, that I didn't point out in years previous is specifically, specifically because... I'm not caught up in the emotion of the moment anymore. Sure. And a lot of movies, and this is fair, their popularity and the love of them exists because of the time in which they exist or came around. Independence Day. Oh, it means a lot because I remember going to the theater with my friends. That was a big mm-hmm. good time. That was a blah, blah, blah. But if I were to watch Independence Day again today, I'm like, it's more like I'm reliving, oh, I had a good time back then. And... I fear to say this, but that's sort of how Infinity War is now because I'm not caught up in the spirit of the time of wanting to see it and find out what mm-hmm. happens so badly. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. No, I think it does. And I think this is one of those movies where I was never caught up enough in the spirit of the film, even while watching it, as others were. And and that's why it's never been one of my favorites uh, in the MCU. And part of that was the fact of going in knowing there was a number two coming. And um, it just, it, it, it I, I personally, it, I'm not saying it, this is anybody else. I just never was really caught up in the emotion of this movie because I knew who was going to come back. And I I knew who was gonna die in 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 Endgame, and it's like so with that knowledge, there wasn't a lot of emotion in this movie, uh, except for when they did kill Gamora, and it was like I have no idea how they're gonna bring her back if they bring her back because that's one that's hard to rewrite. That that's one to hard that's really difficult to get out of them. The rest of these people who've been snapped to death, eh, they can come back pretty easily. Yeah, I um, I also I still don't understand why he had to snap. I mean, he, he had the stones. He could just he didn't have to snap to do. I any mean, of maybe the he has to whistle. Uh, that would have been funnier. Fart you know. would have been better. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that um, there is just to get it out on the table. I don't agree with you about the ending, specifically because I think it's an Empire Strikes Back kind of ending. If I'd never watched Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back still has a great ending. And there's the implication that there could be more to come, but I'm okay if there isn't, because it's just great. It just ends on the right note, and it resolves itself well. 
um, and that there are, you know, with the Lord of the Rings movies, right? Those end more open-ended than this does. And we can debate till we're blue in the face about whether that's because, you know, I knew that I'd read the books. I knew there were three coming. I knew that blah, 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 all that stuff. Sure. But I think that the biggest thing is that since this, since we did know that this was the overture and the final symphony was to come, that's why I think they could have sacrificed some runtime here Mm, and just brought it down and wet the appetite so that Endgame, Mm -hmm. Endgame's already going to wind up three hours, right? And it's like... I, I just I, I think they I think that some reorganization and some trimming of some of the battle scenes like as much as I loved seeing Captain America reveal himself that whole fight in Scotland right because they're in Scotland mm-hmm. when they're fighting right um, it is the whole thing from where it starts with Vision and Wanda to Cap's arrival to the big like it's a very bloated action scene and it's very. Mm-hmm computer generated mess and mm-hmm. you cut that in half you saved some runtime there you reorganize yeah. the opening you save some runtime there and you just you just make these little trims you wind up getting this movie down to like 215 and i think mm-hmm. that that a 2 hour and 15 minute infinity war is much more palatable than than the runtime we got well i do have to ask you because you brought it up and i think it's a it's a great time to talk about it but can we talk about the very inconsistent work with the effects in this movie? Yes. Yes, we can. Because it's bad. Nothing I don't think that there I I don't think that there are any effects that are bad per se, with the exception of You mean of, other than the plasticky suit that Iron Man's wearing the whole time? Mm, the suit is weird looking, yes, but it's nanotechnology, so I figured, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I would say Banner's floating head is a real annoyance. <laughs> I still that remember good? that getting chuckles in the movie theater when, like, mm-hmm. you know, the, everybody's charging in the battle and, like, Banner, Banner looks like just his neck is just floating through the battle aside from everybody else. And it's like, you didn't even need that shot, you know, mm-hmm. like... And on top of that, why was the the helmet off? Shouldn't it have been closed to protect his soft, squishy human brain? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the effects are inconsistent, and I think that I mean more than anything, that's a hallmark of a hallmark of Marvel movies by this point mm-hmm. is that the yeah. effects are just they farm some of the stuff out. They got ridiculous turnaround times. And so it's like I, in essence, I feel bad for the effects houses because I know that the people there want to turn out better work than that. They just don't have the time to do it. You know, time, talent, and treasure. You need all three to make something like this work. And so I think it's just unfair. But again, cutting Mm -hmm. some of this stuff out, you wind up creating more more resources and uh, time to Mm -hmm. do the rest of the effects. I I mean... uh, yeah, the stuff on Titan is really not very good, especially since yeah. it, the lighting just always seems off yep. and it always seems two-dimensional, more than three, yep. which is really bad. Um, some of the fight stuff 
in Wakanda looks good and some of it looks terrible and it's mm-hmm. it just it's kind of jarring when you go from one scene that looks great to another scene that looks whoa what are we doing here um you know i think it's just it, it is fascinating because you know these movies are legitimately built on spectacle and as we've moved forward in the MCU, the spectacle has become less and less impressive because the effects have been be- more and more inconsistent. And like you said, part of that has to do with the amount of time the effects houses have to work on these movies because we're just pumping them out like crazy in, in you know, phase three. And they just mm-hmm. don't have time to keep up with the work that you would want. And I think it's one of the things that where I, I, I began to feel like the MCU started to slowly lose me because it just felt like less time was being taken to care for mm-hmm. this stuff than the places where I felt like it was really the pinnacle of like, a, you know, a Winter Soldier, where everything about that movie feels like a time intensive care had been taken mm-hmm. from start to finish. Um, and... Yeah, I think it's something that's always just kind of frustrated me uh, about this film. I mean, th- th- this film deserves credit of trying to cram so many different characters in and give everybody a moment. And I think they do that well for the most part. I think everybody gets a, a time to shine here, um, even if it's just a few f- small moments. Um, but. It just kind of feels I, I think you really put your finger on it. There's there's a bloatedness to it that if you had found a way to trim and to, you know, uh, to to just kind of cultivate the best moments and, and, and just really get this tight, I think it would have been a much better film. Um, and then you could have led into, you know, the epic three hour mm-hmm. end game. Yeah. So uh, let, let's ask the traditional question that we always seem to get to about this mark in the conversation. Uh, the music. Did it stand out to you or is it just, yeah, you know, it's in service of the movie. I think Sylvester does a pretty good job in this movie. I mean, he, you know, it's, it's nice to have him back with his work that he's done previously with the Avengers. And, you know, some good moments and, and, places where characters show up like you you know we keep referencing that cap moment um or you know the moment uh, uh there's I, there's lots of different I, I like the moment where you know thor finally gets his new axe you know that was really cool um in fact that whole scene it plays really well i think the music is good there too as he's holding open you know the star and you know, I think that's that's really well played with the the music. So I wouldn't call it the the best work of the MCU, but I think he does a a good job at, at creating an auditory milieu for this movie to be in that plays decently too, even if you're just listening it while you're working or whatever. So yeah, uh, it, it is a good score, and you brought up the creation of Stormbringer and forgive me for this quick detour before I talk about the music, but 
in Thor Ragnarok, Thor loses Mjolnir and an eye. And in this movie, he gets an eye back and gets another badass weapon to carry around with him. And it's sort of like, huh, okay, guys. So we couldn't even... Couldn't even keep that together for one. All right, that's fine. I, I that's wish fine. that they had just let him keep the eye patch. The eye patch is awesome. It's freaking it, it is cool. Really cool. Yeah, keep and it makes him patch. an even cooler character. He looks. Yeah, he looks great. He looks. Yep. Uh, to borrow from the movie, like a cross between an angel and a pirate. And <laughs> he does look like. <laughs> yes. But uh, yeah, I think the music's good. I think w- what's difficult, what I think Sylvester does a terrific job with, is that. There are themes here which are not his that he has to borrow for the sake of this movie, but he does orchestrate things in such a way that it all sounds of a piece, even if it was created by another conductor or I'm sorry, composer. So I do have to give him a lot of credit for that, that this this score is arguably more cohesive than the film itself. And I think it does a really good job of of keeping you invested when the movie might lose you at certain points yeah no i mean i I think you're absolutely right on target with that you know i i think that that is one of the things that the score does is help bring the movie together and and like you said that there is that that cohesion there which is which is great with the music you know um so um i i wanted to so we only get one stinger and I wanted to ask you about what you felt about, you know, the last beeper on Earth being used. Yeah. Okay. Here's where I'll get in trouble. <laughs> when I saw that singer, one, I thought it was great that that's the closest that Sam Jackson is ever going to get to utter his signature word in a Marvel movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brilliantly done. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Like, I, I want to give uh, Mr. Jackson a high five just for the fact that he was saying it, like he was doing it. And it's like, I was like, yeah, that's the word I'm waiting for this whole time for him to drop. Um, what I will say is, uh, and also judging by everybody in the theater who knew what that symbol meant on the pager uh, when it fell, I thought the payoff was going to be a lot better. But hey, you know, life is full of little yeah, disappointments. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. No, I love it. I absolutely love your point about him using his phrase because it's kind of how I feel about Batman one day getting to say, I'm the GD Batman. Yeah. You know, yep. like I just need him to say that once. Yeah. And in fact, I, I actually thought that in the Batman, he might say that. Um, he never does. It's disappointing. But I just Spoilers need him to say that. for those of us who haven't seen it yet, Matt. I just needed somebody to say that once. Uh, anyway. No, um, I obviously was only vaguely aware of who Captain Marvel was. Uh, I knew the symbol um, because at that point, you know, I've, I've been in the Marvel universe now and and kind of more aware of things. So I was like, okay, cool, we're go- we're gonna bring in uh, Captain Marvel. Great. I, I mean, I didn't have anything else to to think about that. I I hadn't really read any of the comics. In fact, I did go and read some of the Captain Marvel comics because they had been built up people had said they were good they weren't um i I didn't like deconic's work at all with captain marvel i was really disappointed well Um, i mean i was was still sad that i i was still pulling for adam warlock to show up at this point 
Yeah, yeah. That's what I was so. pulling for. But, you know, I was willing to take Captain Marvel. I was like, oh, cool. All right. We're going to. Yeah, that, that's yeah. going to be fantastic. That's going to be such yeah. a great movie when they reveal that. Right, Matt? That's going to be a. That it is, is going be to be fantastic. But we'll have movie. to wait to get there, John, because we've got Ant-Man and the Wasp before Captain Marvel. Ooh, so here's your first treat. I've never seen Ant-Man and the Wasp before, so this will be my Ooh. very first viewing of Ant-Man and nice. the Wasp. The movie That's going to be fun. That was technically less successful than Solo a Star Wars story, but nobody talks about that. But that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if uh if you had to rate Infinity War, John, what would you rate? Avengers and Infinity War. Uh, it stays uh, consistently where it uh, has been before. Three and a half stars. So, better than average. Not great, but good. Enjoyable. I could come back and watch this movie again. I dig it. What about you? This went from three and a half to three stars. Oh, well, that's not so bad. Uh, but it did fall because instead of, uh, the movie being able to ameliorate itself with time, it's problems have gotten even more pronounced. Um, and it's a movie I just don't enjoy watching as much as you would think. Um, aside from the, some of the cool moments, I don't enjoy watching it as much as I thought I would when I went in. So, yeah, three stars. And uh, so I'm fascinated then for you, John, how this impacts your rankings. You want to know something? It's really interesting because when it really comes down to it, this is going to sound really weird. Okay, it's going to sound weird. It's going to sound odd. But um, I expected Infinity War to do better than it does in these final rankings. But let's face it. It's no Captain America, the Winter Soldier. It's no Iron Man 3. It's no Ant-Man. Not as much fun as Ant-Man. Still like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 more than I like this. Iron Man, still a solid entry. Black Panther? We just talked about that. I like what that movie does. It's got a good vibe. So that's that's still in its same slot. Guardians of the Galaxy? Makes me weepy at the end, and I'm a sucker for things that make me weepy <laughs> at the end. Um, Doctor Strange? Much better than I remembered it, so it stays where it was. Captain America Civil War? Team Cap. He makes some valid points. I use when, my, uh, when one of my daughters watched it recently... Um, uh, I was highly complimented by the fact that I said, so uh, you think I'm Team Cap or Team Iron Man? And she looked at me because she considers Captain America goody two-shoes and everything. And she rolled her eyes and she went, ugh, Team Cap, because she's Team Iron Man. And I went <laughs> off on a tear. I was like, listen, Captain America's right in this movie. You don't sign anything until you have it in his final, blah, blah, blah. blah. And like, the, the whole thing we litigated before. Sorry for that side thing. Captain America, the first Avenger, is such an honest and earnest movie that it stays where it was. The Incredible Hulk actually stays where it was, too. I would watch this before I'd watch Thor again, though. So I know that was a long way of getting there. But Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Iron Man, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Doctor Strange, Captain America, Civil War, Captain America, the first Avenger, 
Avengers Infinity War. Oh, I'm sorry. The Incredible Hulk, Avengers Infinity War, Thor, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, The Avengers, Howard the Duck, Thor, The Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor, Ragnarok, and then um, pulling up last place in, could it stay in last place? We'll see. Avengers Age of Ultron. (laughs) And you, Matt. You know what? I'm going to bet you right now here on the show, just a fun little bet, John, that when I, um, well, I, I guess we won't have covered this by the time I come visit you, but I'm going to bet you by the time we're done, or at least close to done as is, is we'll ever be with this show, because we're going to keep having Marvel things come out, uh, that Age of Ultron will not be dead last. I'll bet you 10 bucks. Oh, I'm not going to take that bet, Matt. Okay, I'm not going to take that bet at all. I'd be betting against myself dang on that it. one. Yeah. Dang it. Oh, man, I was going to win 10 bucks. Anyway, yeah. uh, so my rankings are Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, Civil War, The First Avenger, Black Panther, Volume 2, Guardians of the Galaxy, Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, The Incredible Hulk, Spider-Man Homecoming. Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Avengers Infinity War, Mm. Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor, Howard the Duck, (laughs) Age of Ultron, and Thor Ragnarok. So um, on my rankings, at least the way I have them now, uh, Avengers Infinity War kind of went above some other things. But what's going to be interesting is that as we watch those other things, does it kind of fall back down again to where I had it? Or does it actually stay better than some of the things I'd moved it up from? So I'm not sure how that's going to play out. So that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. And after after Endgame, that's going to be an interesting patch of stuff it's, that we hit isn't yeah, it it really is it really is um you know because you know I, like you said after end game we get things like uh, far from home uh we'll get i still Shang-Chi. haven't seen that i still haven't seen far from home yeah i haven't seen shang chi uh, i haven't seen eternals i haven't seen a whole bunch of stuff yeah um i mean and then and, and then the interesting thing is of course they start adding in tv shows like wandavision loki uh falcon winter soldier um, Hawkeye, that kind of stuff, which I think I, I'm going to be really interested in, especially when we get to um, WandaVision. I think the the conversation of is adding television shows to this too much? Are we asking too much? But we'll get there. Uh, before we do, though, uh, you know, just want to say thank you to everybody who's joined us. And John, people do want to catch up with you. Where can they find you? Oh, well, you can find me as Castle Junkie out there. Uh, as we record this, I'm taking a break from social media, but, you know, addictions are addictions and you have relapses. So look for Castle Junkie. Uh, the one social media network that I haven't uh, ruled out is Letterboxd. Uh, so let's have a time over there and talk movies or something, or at least trade comments. Uh, and you can find me uh, actually over on the Nerd Party. The Nerd Party Network at thenerdparty.com uh, doing uh, two shows. One of those shows, House Lights, is a lot of fun, uh, where we look at the work of directors. And uh, then the uh, the other show is Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast that I do with you, Matt. And we have a great time on that one when when yours truly can manage to find the time to uh, to talk about Star Wars. 
So, <laughs> Well, it is a blast doing that show, and hopefully everybody will check it out. Uh, you can also find me all over the social medias with uh, MattRushing02, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero, all of those type of places you'll find me. Of course, uh, here and the network with the 602 Club, you'll find the main show as well as Snyder Cuts that we do, talking about all the Snyder's uh, work that he's directed, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and then uh, you'll find me doing three other shows, The Orb, Literary Treks, and Warp 5. The Orb is about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Literary Treks is about the books and the comics of Star Trek. And Warp 5 is about Star Trek Enterprise. And when I'm not on the Nerd Party Network doing aggressive negotiations, you can find a finished show I did with Drea Kaufman called Owl Post. And that we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But thank you, everyone, for joining us. Avengers! Avengers!